You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. If you came to church today for the first time, I want to tell you welcome. This might be abnormal, but here we are. You can stay, you can stay standing while we pray, and then you can take a seat. Father, I thank you. Just tell them thank you, just right where you are. Just tell them thank you in your own words. Father, I thank you for your help and thank you for your guidance. And I pray, Father, that you would just lead us further into revelation, further into your truth, God. Jesus, right now, we just choose to tell you that you're worthy. Thank you for your presence, God. I thank you that in your presence there is fullness of joy. Thank you, Lord. We choose just to honor you with our time. And we surrender to you. You're worthy. You're holy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I'm just going to have the team's going to stay stay with me. <clears throat> I don't know if we'll go back into some sort of worship, but I feel like the Lord said, don't let them leave the stage. So they're going to endure with me. <laughs> Amen. Um, man, just want to share something from my heart today, if I could. Uh, that I feel like the Lord's kind of burdened me with, if you will. And um, had a really interesting, really, really great time this weekend. Uh, our church staff, we went on a hike together. We went and climbed a 13,000 foot peak in New Mexico. And uh, for us Flatlanders, as you are too, uh, that's challenging. <laughs> and so um, it was a blast. It took us about six and a half hours to get up there with a lot of stops and a lot of oxygen. Uh, that was helpful, uh, but as we were as we were on the way up there, uh, I just noticed how there was it was a struggle, right? Like the air is thinner, you're going up an incline. FYI, the word says be ready in season and out of season. Uh, we were not quite so ready in season uh, for this hike, but we pre- we pressed on, and as I as I watched, I watched. The, the actual suffering that was happening. To be honest with you, there was, there were some that were actually like crying tears because they said their body was shutting down and they were at the point of, I can't go any further. And uh, it was a real, like, it was a real suffering and pushing kind of moment. And as, as we were walking up this this mountain, the, the last bit of this thing, uh, you're, you're completely exposed, meaning you're, you're out of the tree line, you're above the tree line, so it's nothing but just sun and a whole lot of suffering, if you will. And the Lord started talking to me, and I turned to Allison and Logan, and I said, wasn't it Abraham 
who was asked to go on a three-day journey onto a mountain. And they were like, yeah, yeah. And we started, it just kind of, this thing just kept circulating in me. And, and so it, it, the Lord led me into this like thought process about Abraham. And we're gonna read this in, in just a minute in Genesis chapter 22. You can, you can open a Bible if you have it. But God asked Abraham to do something that is extremely challenging. Before we read this, you should know that Abraham was promised by God that he was gonna be a father to many nations. Well, in order to be a father to many nations, <laughs> you have to have children. He has this son, his name's Isaac, and Isaac was the beginning, he was basically the seed of this promise. He was the very beginning of this promise. He was the starting place for this promise. And in Genesis chapter 22, this is what it says. It says, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountains of which I shall tell you. On one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he split the wood on, for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, my father. He said, here I am, my son. And he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound, his, he bound Isaac, his son, and he laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay a hand on the lad or do anything to him. For I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horn. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day. In that mountain, I'm sorry, in that mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord. Because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. Verse 18. In your seed all nations of the earth shall be blessed. Why? Because you have obeyed my voice. I'm going to stop there. Two words that I feel like have left the church in a lot of ways, these two words are obedience and suffering. 
Did you know that delayed obedience is disobedience? How many of you are okay with telling your kid to clean their room and then they decide to clean it when they get ready? None of us. Why? Because as the parent, you say they do, not on their schedule, on yours, right? And so it is with God. Abraham in this moment is asked to do something extremely challenging. And as we're walking up this mountain the other, this weekend, I, I'm just considering and thinking about this. What must it have been like for three days to travel to a place, then know that you have to walk up a mountain and the only direction that you've been given is kill the son that I promised you would have so that you would be called a father of nations. Most of the time we obey only when we know that there's a reward attached to our obedience. It's even how we parent our kids sometimes. If you will do this, I will bring you ice cream. Bribery. And God is not interested in bribery. He's interested in you being obedient to what he says because he actually knows what's better for you than, we, than what you know is better for you. The Lord says, uh, do not trust, don't, don't lean in your own trust, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Early the next morning, Abraham got up. No delay. Early the next morning, he got up saddled the donkey, prepared the fire, prepared all the things with the only instruction was go and do this thing that I told you. He didn't say, hey, Abraham, uh, man, I know you got, a, you got a full plate and you're old. He's like 100 at the time. When you get around to it, would you mind gathering some wood and maybe saddle a donkey or a couple, grab a couple guys Hey, listen, I know you're, whenever you get to this, and could you take your son and, and when you're ready, would you go kill him on this mountain? That's not what the Lord said. Oftentimes, we obey God when we get ready to. And it's not obedience. Hi, man, this is, this is kind of a, it's kind of a harsh word, Cody. Like, why are you hitting us like this? I'm hitting myself too, FYI. Um, the Lord is wanting to deliver something to us that we've never had before. And I believe that it's going to actually take us being quick to obey and be willing to go through a little bit of suffering. As we were climbing this mountain, I couldn't explain to Henry, I couldn't explain to to. to to Jamie, who had never done this before, I couldn't explain to them what it was going to feel like when they got to the very top. I could explain it, but I couldn't explain it in such a way that they knew that's what it's going to feel like. So I don't actually need to do it. I, I, I got the fullness of it right here. I couldn't explain that. I could only just tell them, let it, let it be painful and let, it, let yourself be sore after we're finished. Continue to stay in this moment of of suffering, meaning when it gets hard and the Lord asks you to do something really tough, don't pull the plug too early. Don't smash the easy button so fast. The word says that don't grow weary in your well-doing for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. And there was a moment multiple times where 
there were some strong considerations of this is as far as I can go. And we get that place with the Lord sometimes. So like, Lord, I, I, can't, I can't be stretched any further. I was just talking to Alex on the front row about some things that are going on in a business that they started. I, and I said, man, it's crazy how sometimes we wait so long for God to do something suddenly. And she's like, yeah, I wish suddenly would have been two years ago, but it's now. Don't go weary in your well-doing for in due season you reap if you faint not. The Lord is asking for some fast obedience. Oftentimes I think that because of the lack of obedience and because of our lack of suffering, we've not developed character. We ask God for all of these things all of the time. In the book of James it says that, that you ask, but you ask amiss so that you could spend it on your own pleasures. I believe that if we would incorporate obedience that when the Lord says something, let me rephrase that. The Lord has said some things, a whole bunch of some things. And when we get quick to obey the some things, it, it enlarges our capacity, it grows our character so that when the Lord is ready to actually give you that thing that you want or that thing that you think that you need or that thing that you desire, you actually have the character to steward the blessing the way that it's supposed to be stewarded. Most of us are walking in the thing that we want because if we got the thing that we want, we would turn away from God because we would worship the thing. And he's saying, no, no, no. If you'll just be quick to obey what I'm asking you to do, if you'll just endure a little longer, if you'll just continue to look at me, the, the author and the finisher of your faith, if you will turn your eyes to Jesus, let me shape some things, let me, let me slice some things, let me cut some branches here so that you'll bear more fruit over here. Let me do a bunch of things in your life so that you have the character to sustain yourself in the blessing when I deliver it. But if I gave it to you right now, it would crush you because you can't steward it because you don't know how. He's just asking for some obedience. And he's asking if you'll suffer a little bit. I watched this show on Netflix. It's called Just One Mile. And uh, it is intense. So it's a one mile run. And they follow this ex-Navy SEAL and he's like, I, you can always run a mile. I'm like, who are you talking to? Think about this one mile is every single time that you run this mile, you gain 346 feet of elevation and you have to complete the mile in 20 minutes. So if you run the mile in 12 minutes, you get an eight minute rest. If you run the mile in 19 minutes, 30 seconds, you get a 30 second rest because at the 20 minute mark, another mile starts. There's no finish line, it's the last man standing. And in the show, they run for 37 plus hours, over 100 and something miles, they climb in elevation uh, from sea level to Everest and down. And the thing that he talks about in this so often is he's saying, it hurts. It hurts the whole time. Just let it hurt afterwards. I feel like in the church, and, and I, I hope this doesn't hit you in a way where you're feeling condemnation because that's not God. I feel like our edge has gotten rounded. I feel like it's gotten rounded and we've been swinging an ax at some things and it's denting the tree 
It's denting the root. It's just not cutting the root. There are some things in our lives as it pertains to being quick to obey the word and then being able to suffer for a little while longer that will resharpen and repurpose the edge of our axe. So when the Lord says, hey, I need you to remove pride, you have the ability to swing the axe once and it cuts it at the root. We've just been denting it. It's time for us to actually um, grow up in some things of the Lord. Uh, I wanna read this in Romans chapter 13. says and do this knowing the time meaning we have to discern the time the in the spirit realm we have to discern what is happening around us not to be oblivious but he says this and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed the night is far spent the day is at hand Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Part of obedience, part of suffering is to endure when your flesh tells you you should indulge in X, Y, or Z. Making no provision for the flesh means not sleeping with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Yay. Making no provision for the flesh means walking away from the conversation at work that you know you're not supposed to be a part of. Well, making no provision for the flesh means not taking advantage of the lackadaisical hours at work and taking a longer lunch than you're actually supposed to. Character is what you do when you're alone, when no one else knows. How are you doing in the character department? How is your integrity? How well do you honor? Do you know that most of the reason that when the Lord says, do and we don't, is because we actually don't have enough honor for him. He actually doesn't hold a high enough place of esteem in our lives for us to say, you know what? Because of all that you've done, I'm just going to do this for you. I'm going to submit completely because of the thing that you did and it's Jesus is what he did. Some of us are like, man, God, you got to prove yourself. He has nothing to prove to you. And if you're waiting for him to prove himself, he already did. His name is Jesus. He's a real person, the son of the living God, born to a virgin Mary, kept out of harm's way when a king was so threatened that he ordered that all young male children be slain. 
so that he could live this perfect life in such a way, die on a cross in such a way, so that you could experience everlasting freedom, and then he was raised from the dead so that you could have life in abundance. That's his name, and his name is Jesus. And that one thing that God did is enough for you to willfully lay down all that you have to say, I'll serve you for the rest of my days. You are worthy. You need to prove nothing else to me. This is not a multiple choice kind of thing. Abraham had no idea that there was provision at the top of the mountain. God didn't say, hey, here's what I'm gonna do. I need you to go sacrifice your son, but right before the knife comes down, if you look over your right shoulder, there's gonna be a beautiful ram stuck in the bush and he's gonna be the provision for Isaac. That's not what he said. He said, just go up the mountain and do the thing that I asked you to do. Listen, God's not gonna ask you to sacrifice your kid. <laughs> he sacrificed his so that you didn't have to. What he is gonna ask you is, hey, will you give up smoking? Maybe. Hey, uh, can I talk to you about alcohol? He might ask you. Seems like you've been consuming quite a bit lately. Could you stop? Well, I don't have a problem, Lord. Yeah, I know you don't have a problem. I'm not an alcoholic, God. Yeah, I know you're not an alcoholic, but would you put it down for me? Hey, uh, so there's this thing and it's called the tithe and it's holy. It's holy unto me is what the Lord says. Uh, it's the first and it's the best. It's your 10%. Would, would you lay that down for me? Would you return that to me? Probably not. I mean, if you showed me that the windows actually did open and that there was like blessing coming down and it was about right here, then I might. But until I see that, no. The Lord is asking for us to just obey him. I'm just bringing one example of, I mean, well, the list could go on. We could talk about our mouth, the way that we talk. We could talk about our thoughts, the lustful thoughts that we have, the ones that maybe we had before we walked in the room, the ones that maybe we had while we are in the room when we noticed that person across the room. There's a lot of things that we could talk about, but the Lord is saying, can I have your obedience and will you allow me to put you in some positions where you might have to suffer a little bit so that I could open you up for all the things that I really, really want to do for you? So this sounds like a lot of works, Cody. What about the grace of God? What about all that Jesus did for me on the cross and all I have to do is believe in him? 100%. But if you think that grace and all that Jesus did for you on the cross means that you believe in Jesus, you confess him as Lord and Savior, and then you just go to living however you wanted to, whenever you wanted to, in whatever way you wanted to before you've completely misunderstood the concept of the grace of God. Because Jesus, being the grace of God manifested, he actually empowers you to live free of sin and on fire and dedicated to him. That is your responsibility on the earth be a reflection and a representation of Jesus in everything that you do, in your obedience, in some of your suffering, so that you're actually being purified in such a way that you could carry the gospel of Jesus in such a way that people see your good works and they glorify the Father who is in heaven. That's our purpose. That's our goal. So many of us are in this place, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm with you. 
I'm learning. I'm growing. Oftentimes, God's asks are challenging my kingdom. But only one kingdom will stand, and that is His. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And He's not saying, hey, I'm going to give you some options. Listen, uh, if here's what here's the, here's the thing like how about option a you sacrifice your son or b you think about it for a couple days and then you do it when you're ready there's no option in that we parent this way often hey it's time to brush your teeth and get ready for bed i don't want to oh really this is how conversations go in my house really actually there's no there's no i don't want to anymore it's like, okay, well, here's the deal. I'll make a deal with you. Will, will you brush your teeth? This is us as parents. To a three-year-old or a seven-year-old, hey, will you brush your teeth? This is not even a compromise. It's not even a conversation. I don't want to. Okay, how about this? Tonight, I'll let you use your baby shark toothbrush if you'll brush your teeth. Hey, that's terrible parenting, FYI. I love you. I promise I do. But please don't do that. Hey, it's time to get ready to go to church. I don't want to get dressed. Well, I already put your clothes out for you. I'm not wearing that. I'm wearing something different. No, I said that you're wearing this, and that's what you're going to wear to church. Or that's what you're going to wear to dinner. Do you know that if you start compromising with your kids really, really early. Oh, I just want to give them some freedom. They're still picking their boogers and eating their nose. What are they going to do with your freedom? I'm serious. I know what I did with that freedom. It took me a little bit to find Jesus. Thankfully, I found him. Look at, look at this, and then we're going to figure something out. 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. This is one of my favorite things in the whole Bible. You have Eli. He's this mentor to Samuel. Samuel's this understudy brought to Eli as a young child, and he's just designed to submit to Eli and to submit and just to be mentored. In this moment, it says that, that the, the word of the Lord was rare in that day. There was no widespread revelation, meaning God wasn't saying a whole lot. Samuel goes to sleep. While he's asleep, he hears his name called Samuel, Samuel. He wakes up. He instantly runs into Eli's bedroom and, and taps on Eli. Eli wakes up. He's like, hey, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, you called me. He's like, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. Samuel goes, lays back down. Here in a second, Samuel, Samuel, same thing, runs into Eli. Hey, did you need me? Here I am. I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. Like, what in the world is happening? So third time, lays down. Same thing happens. Runs back to Eli. Eli, I didn't call you. Eli then sa it says that he perceived that the Lord was calling the young child. He says, okay, here's what I need you to do. Go lay down again. If you hear your name called again, say to the Lord, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. Goes and lays down. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel says, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. And in this one moment, 
because Samuel had this ability to run to the voice of a mentor that he could see. He was instructed by this mentor in such a way that he actually taught him how to hear from God. Yes, Lord, your servant is listening. Samuel gets this massive revelation, this, this crazy dream. Once again, there was a no widespread revelation. The word of the Lord was rare in this day. Samuel gets this dream from God. The craziest thing is, imagine this, you're in Samuel's position and the dream that you got from God is about the destruction of your mentor's house. Because that's what happened. They wake up the next morning, Eli runs to Samuel and he's like, so what the Lord say? Was it good? What was it about? Was it awesome? Samuel's like, man, I don't really want to talk to you about this. The Lord has some things to say about you, sir. And this is what it said. Verse 12 of 1 Samuel 3. It says, in that day I will perform against Eli. This is God talking to Samuel. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and watch this, and he, Eli, did not restrain them. Eli's sons were priests. Eli's sons would stand at the corner, uh, the, the, the entrance of the tabernacle, and they would find women that they could sleep with as the priest. They were misusing their power. And Eli only verbally corrected them, but added nothing to it. And in one moment, the Lord said, because he has honored his kids more than me, they're gonna completely lose their whole inheritance as a family. Like, why are you telling me that? Because there's a, there is a, a war that is raging, spirit war that is raging. We're all flesh, we have a body, we have a soul, a mind, a will, motion, but we are spirit, as the word has taught us. And everything is competing for our soul. Everything is competing for the direction that we will go. And everything is also competing for the direction that our kids will go. But if as a dad, I can't obey the Lord, why would I expect my children to do so? As a dad, if I allow my kids to obey when they get ready to, I shouldn't expect my child to resist sex before marriage when that sweet-talking boy shows up to one of my daughters if I haven't trained her to actually know right from wrong and the truth and to submit to the voice of a father so she'll submit to the voice of the father in a moment like that. We're training our kids, but the Lord's training us. Obedience and some suffering. Is it challenging to have a conversation with my 14-year-old daughter uh, about her not getting to wear certain things that other kids get to wear? 100%. Does it cause suffering for her? Absolutely all the time. Other swimsuits that she wants to wear, not because she's trying to be scandalous, but because I think they're too revealing? Absolutely. Do we have the conversations that you can't wear that? All the time. Well, other people do too. I get it, but I'm not their dad. Suffer. Serious. I'm suffering as a dad because I got to say the hard thing. She's suffering because she's my kid. 
I want to have Snapchat. Nope, suffer. Don't need it. Some of us don't need it. Well, I'm going to get it anyways. Okay, see what happens. Whom the Lord loves, he corrects. <laughs> Whom dad loves, he corrects too. Um, I, I say all these things because I just want us to get to this place where when the Lord says we do, even when it sucks, <laughs> and I just said that word in church. I don't know if I was supposed to. Lord, sorry. But he wants to deliver something to you that you've never had. And he probably wants to deliver something that no one in your family has ever had before you. I just don't want him to skip me because I wouldn't listen. And I don't want him to skip you because you wouldn't listen either. And that's really the gist of it. Will you allow yourself to go through some things, submit fast, obey fast, even if it looks like there's no end in sight. But I can tell you this, that in due season, you'll reap if you faint not. And only you will be able to share the testimony of what it was like to get to the top of the mountain. It's gonna take some suffering and some obedience. Amen. Uh, let's, let's do this. Will y'all stand with me? And we're just gonna pray some things. A little bit of a different... Uh, go at it this morning. Uh, Father, I'm, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for your grace. I'm thankful for your mercy. And uh, I just ask that you would just lead us and guide us into those things, Lord. But Father, we, we, we desire you. We desire to be more like you, think more like you, talk more likely, like you. Represent you in a, in a way that you're worthy of being represented. And Father, we just, to the best of our ability, if you're comfortable, would you just put your hands out in front of you, like in a place of surrender, and just tell him, like, Lord, I, I, I surrender. I want to be quick to listen, slow to speak, quick to obey. God, I, I give you permission to get me out of my comfort zone. Holy Spirit, I invite you to comfort me in the places where I'm the most uncomfortable. just move our hearts towards you. We move our hearts towards you. I thank you that you're for us and not against us. I flipped my Bible open to a note and it was about this woman who had this issue of blood in the scriptures for 12 years. 
said that she had spent all of her money, her livelihood, to try to get a cure for this, and nothing had worked. Spent all that she had. It says that she only grew worse. This woman was considered unholy, unclean by the, the world around her, by culture, the people that they, but she saw Jesus in a crowd. And she fights her way through this crowd with the potential threat of being found that she was in the midst of everyone else, even though she was considered unclean. She fights through this crowd with this one thought, if only I could touch his garment, I'll be made well. What faith, what faith. As she touches Jesus' garment, there's all these people pressing around Jesus. I would see this as like him shuffling and just shoulder room to walk. And he makes this statement. He said, he stops and he said, who touched me? His disciples like, what are you talking about, Jesus? There's people touching you all over the place. There's people everywhere. Don't you feel like all the people in the crowd? And he said, no, no, no. I perceived power left me. Who touched me? The woman then comes and falls at Jesus' feet, explains everything that's going on, and, and, and he raises her up and says, your faith has made you well. Here's what I, I would say this to you. Would it be said of you this morning when you leave, would the Lord ask, who touched me? And would you be the one that has to fall at his feet and say it was me? I believed so much in what you could do for me that I just knew if I could just touch the edge of your garment, I would be made well. Might the Lord ask the question, who touched me this morning? Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.